heavy lumbering riff yeah loom that like that big that chug that dirt and i think it's a good point to also (laughs) point out that gloom that i want you in my room (laughs) that boom 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 up everyone you're listening to the noise podcast network sponsored by stereo brain records and today sam and i have an absolutely stacked episode for you sam talked a little bit about his time at download festival a couple of weeks ago where he saw some of his favorite bands including bleed from within and megadeth and then we took the time to talk about two fantastic releases that are coming out this week coed and cambria are going to be releasing vaxi 2 window of the waking mind and it's the mark of the triumphant return of alexis on fire with their first studio album in 13 years. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Noise Podcast and at Noise UK. Like and subscribe on YouTube and be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc, etc, etc. Enjoy the episode. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Noise Podcast. I'm once here with Arnold Extraordinaire, but not Arnold Extraordinaire. No intro, but lots of intro. Be affectionate, but not too distant. Be his friend, but don't talk about him too much. Jack Holloway. How are you today, Jack? You all right? Good, thank you. And I'm glad that you approached me in a way that I find satisfying. How are you, oh, Sam? good. Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Things are going well. My day started with uh, an email from one of my year 13 students saying, I can't come in today um, because I've been taken to the ambulance. Uh, not just to the ambulance. It wasn't like a tour. Checked to the hospital via the ambulance. <laughs> Um, all well and good usually, but our exams today. So, um, don't really know what we're going to do with that. We've got to apply for what's called special consideration. Hopefully she's okay, obviously. Um, she's got a maths exam tomorrow. Um, I just feel dreadfully sorry for the girl, you know, of all the times to be dreadfully ill and that type of thing is just horrendous. But then after that, the sort of the day, day has rattled on at his own pace. Um, just got back, um. Here we are talking about some stuff. Went to download last week. All is all is well in the world. Ooh. Do sound. Mm. I mean, you have to talk to me about download, Sam. Yeah, it was it was the Saturday that I went. Just to, to for clarification, I didn't go all three days, so I missed Biffy Clyro on principle. Um, I missed Kiss because I'm not 103. And so I saw the middle day, uh, which for those who weren't yeah. too aware of that, um, was Iron Maiden, Megadeth, Mastodon, Deftones. Um, Hold an absence, bleed from within. Whole house of bands that we as noise has recruited, supported, or at least fawned over. Um, certainly in the case of a few of the ones that I've mentioned, including Hold an Absence. Uh, you're the founding member of the fan club, I think, um, of those. So um the day, the day itself was was superb. I mean, if I talk about downloads from the uh, if you after the synonyms that you'd um you get with like beer, mud, and body odor, the fourth one would probably be rain that you'd usually associate with download, and yet we got none of that. You know, it was perfect all day. It was really, really lovely. Um, but obviously, no one's here to hear the weather forecast. Um, the bands that I saw were Bleed From Within, uh, Holding Absence, uh, Megadeth Mastodon Iron Maiden, which is a triumvirate, which was, was just extraordinary. Um, and sort of dotted around a few different places throughout the, throughout the course of the day as well. 
I just sort of pop my head in and things like that. First things first, um, considering Bruce Dickinson has had throat cancer in the last couple of years and is rapidly approaching an age where you'd stop believing the things he says out loud and start making sure that he's got a second pair of underwear on all the time, he sounds extraordinary. The, the band opened with like three tracks off the new record and then just rattled through um 1983 to sort of 1989 without really stopping for an hour and a half there was there was a run where it went um fear of the dark um hallowed be thy name and number of the beast back to back and it's just like a reminder that oh shit they've written 10 to 12 of the biggest 50 metal songs ever over the course of five or six years and they all sounded great the crowd was really really good it was just an extraordinary thing and um i was there with chris who had a thoroughly wonderful time and came out with what he described as a newfound respect for Maiden, which was good. Um, That's big for Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of was like, I get it now. You know, I get the difficulty that Andy Coppin has booking big headliners for downloads. You walk around and you see um, the demographic that you have to try and hit. I mean, we had there from everything from like people who must have been in their 60s and 70s right down to children, like really young children. Um, you know, obviously you've been there. That, that wide demographic really is metal mecca for the UK. Um, people from all ages, creeds, backgrounds, demographics all sort of come to this festival. And if you've got to fill that field, you kind of need a sure thing. And imagine it was as close as a sure thing as it's going to be. They were tremendous. Um, they did the whole nine yards, you know, like big sort of dramatic sort of openings and things like that. The Spitfire for Ice is High, the whole, the whole, the whole bit. It was terrific. Um, Mastodon was sensational uh, from a musician standpoint. They're just, they're not. They're not the sort of band that you could sort of like get somebody there who's never heard of Mastodon and then they'd just be immediately sort of into them because the, the sort of nature of the songs are quite complex and you think you need to have a prior knowledge. But to be a fan of, of the new album, to be a fan of them in general, to see them perform some of those new tracks were extraordinary. Um, got a bit emotional watching Megadeth because I was like 17 beers in at that point and I was, you know, 40 feet from Dave Mustaine <laughs> for like the first time in my life. And I was like, <laughs> And they'll play that started playing Wake Up Dead, which I didn't think I'd hear. And then I sound checked it like that morning because I heard some of the sound checks. And I was like, oh, this is a real, there's a real chance here. My favorite Megadeth song. This is another thing as well, like like a personal standpoint. I've talked to you about this before. I've seen like, I don't know, I want the, the rough count is probably 30,000 bands live, probably at this stage. And I know all my favorite bands I never seem to hear, like my favorite song just seems to avoid me. Um, but this time I heard like my best, my favorite Megadeth tune, my favorite Iron Maiden song, even the obscure ones, and mastered on with the, the favorite tune of the new album, the more than I could chew, and with the, that long extended solo at the end, just utterly gorgeous. But the yeah. best band of the day, Jack, bleed from within, and it's not close. Wow. Not even close. You know, I've, it's not funny. I, I heard this. I've, I have not heard a bad word about them. I've heard, and and the way that I've, I've seen people you know our metal twitter community talking about them is that that was like a defining moment yeah yeah, yeah. i definitely for definitely for where they're sat in their sit in their career and where they are moving forward for a start the place was packed they were they were, they were playing they were playing what i believe was the third stage i might have to double check and it was just absolutely rammed you couldn't get you couldn't really get in or out we only just managed to get there and get just like sort of the first level inside the tent really to enjoy most sort of sneak around to the side to get a decent view and they're extraordinary extraordinary so powerful punchy just a huge sound the drummer was sensational vocally they were brilliant and it seemed like the crowd would be waiting for them 
because by by the time that they began, there was just this, this eruption um, for every chorus. It did feel like a um, a shift in the gear for them. If Shrine does the business, mm. then they could be playing main stage um, in a couple of downloads time. Absolutely, they were they were they were superb. Uh, Holden absence were exactly as you thought they would good be. Um, Lucas's voice carries well live. They played in a tent, which is perfect for their for them because it enclosed what they were doing. They even played the new single, the one featuring Alpha Wolf, though obviously without Alpha Wolf there, which I do think it's lacked a certain, you know, um, a certain edge to it without the um, without the feature. But the big tunes delivered, you know, gravity, just unbelievable. Um, just a, yeah, they've just a got a streak at this point that's silly. Yeah, um, they've they've just got a few got a few few songs that are just just carry really really well live and. Um, That'll actually bring us to the to, to a couple of the albums that that, that sort of are coming up here because the just the size and the grandiosity of sort of the vocalist here, Lucas, really sort of carries live, and you can really hear that. And um, obviously, we're going to talk about one of their contemporaries, probably the Big Brother, to hold an absence in the Lexus on fire a little bit later. Um, but now they were tremendous, a, 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 a top class day all round. Really, really, really enjoyed it, and I completely understand the decisions that are made. Um, in terms of the band selection, as as Chris was saying to us, sort of as as the festival went along, it's just a terrific day. But yeah, please from within. If you haven't already listened to that album, listeners, please please do so and check out the album Shrine, and, and then you, maybe have our chat as well. I was going to say, and if you haven't listened to the chat, uh, and I, I I I edited that episode and obviously hadn't heard it beforehand, I was actually really blown away by how good of a chat that was. It it felt. Uh, you know, I, I just uh, the way he talks about the band and where they've come from, where they've got to, and and how they got there is it's a really cool story, and and it would add a lot of context to their performance now. And if you've said like like you've said, if Shrine does really well, it it's such an underdog band to achieve that sort of height. You know, um, you look at like Architects, they hit album number whatever it was, like eight or whatever. And it was like, oh, now we're going to stop. And it, you know, really hit in success. It, you know, it, it, there's no, there's absolutely nothing that wouldn't say Bleed From Within couldn't, you know, sort of move into the stratosphere in the next few records, I don't think. Yeah, it's very Great possible time. that could be, yeah, definitely. Uh, very possible that they could be um, in that Ghost Inside type remit in an album or two's time. Not, love. Yeah. Um, just... Just that, that could be that that could be the next step for them, which would be absolutely massive for them as well. Um, so yeah. let's 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 move on to the reviews that we're gonna make. We got two massive albums today. This is one of these one of these podcasts where you like this is such a compliment to be able to talk about these albums before for before they get released to the general public. It's a real gift. Uh, to be able to talk about Coed in Cambria and Alexis on fire today is just a it's just a it's a real real thing um, for us and just another reminder of how superb the PR connections are and how much they, they look after us and stuff. So I'm going to start, we're going to start with Coed in Cambria, um, which are one of the more interesting bands of the last 20 years, really. Um, where do you sit with Coed in Cambria in terms of a listener? Is this the first time, second time? Are you kind of experienced no, novice where we are? Uh, absolute novice. I mean, I, I'm, I'm of the, um, the people that would have listened to Welcome Home and that ridiculous riff that everyone would know 
um mm. and i absolutely loved one there was one album they did that was far removed from their usual sort of um concept kind of sound it was more of a pop punky sort of album with the lead track being you've got spirit kid and i remember just jamming that song over and over and over again it was like my you know the song for me for just like a month i just found it so catchy but apart from that i'm just a surface level listener to date but yeah i would i would i would probably reflect that viewpoint a little bit i've got slightly more experience because i've got a few a few friends that really swear by them including one a good friend of mine who's like obsessed with them and and, and there's that's kind of the the reflection that I'm getting of a lot of Coed and Cambria fans. They're like really, really into Coed and Cambria. They'll sort of defend them to the hilt, and they're kind of seeing them as a little bit underrated. I think across the metal, um, the metal um, sphere, and I think that's probably a fair to say across the zeitgeist. I would say that um, Coed and Cambria are actually a little bit brushed under the carpet a little bit when you actually listen to them and, and sort of consider the, the sort of talent and the breadth of. Um, experience that they have. I mean, playing for 20 years, we're talking about nine albums at this point. They're a real veteran band and they're massive. Like they play not like Wembley Stadium, but they play arena sized places quite regularly. Um, I think their recent, their recent, their recent tours just going out on sale and selling tickets for like 40 quid and it's gonna it's gonna sell out really, really quickly. They've got a massive, massive following. Um, so I'm I'm with you in terms of like. I wouldn't say I've dipped my toe in. Probably a little bit more than that. Probably I'm about ankle deep, um, but I'm not. I'm not all the way in just at the moment. But this was the first time I've really sat down and actually consumed a Coed and Cambria album in full for a long time. Um, and it was, I would, I would actually say it was an incredibly positive experience. First, first impressions. Yeah, man, I loved this. I was really unsure. I. I you know, I, I thought it was going to be far too proggy for me. They've they've been in that territory before. And as we'll mention at some point, they, towards the end of the album, they get there. <laughs> it gets very proggy very quickly. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was, n I had zero expectations, good or bad. I just, just went in, like you, I've got people that I know that absolutely love Coed and Cambria and they love Code and Cambria, like it's it's the, you know it's like a diehard fanship. Um, so for me, diving in at a surface level with literally no prior, it's, a, it's amazing, man. I, I I was just blown away by it actually. Yeah, I think listen to this. Look, going through it, I think it's an obvious thing to get out of the way. But the first thing that really really jumps out to you all the way through is, have you ever heard a vocalist that sounds like Claudia Lopez? No, there's nothing like him. The reason is that from, from his pronunciation of certain words to his vocal range to really everything about his, about his style. And he's so melodious with his, with his, with his pronunciation of certain things and vowels and stuff. And it, it's such a unique sound. Um, it's kind of like a little bit like Spencer's Tello from Periphery, but like a little softer. He doesn't just scream into that to that extent. But what he lacks in that aggression, he massively makes it with his sort of cascading vocal he's able to do. And he can just hit notes in in the midst of words that I've I've never heard uh, in my life. Like the, the range is just just superb. 
Um, but the versatility here is, is is really is really really what jumps out to me, both both musically and um, and vocally as well. Um, so obviously you mentioned that this is a bit proggy for you. Um, well, not sorry that you thought this was going to be a bit proggy for you, but actually isn't right. There's like um, a lot of sections here that are really really poppy. Right. So where do you where do you sit with those songs that actually almost abandon prog? entirely in favor of well there's a couple of tunes that could be a dance song on this yeah mate there's a there's a couple of, there was like um comatose mm -hmm. it's got such a bounce to it you know yes. it's like it, it's like a and it's not pop punk but it's like a post-punk and it's it's got such a layer of technicality under it because i think you could listen to like we've already mentioned you you know claudio sanchez he he's his his vocals are the absolute standout point of of this it wouldn't quite be what it is without him but at the same time when you really listen in to the guitar work that goes on behind him like they could have made comatose being a brilliant example they could have just made that far more of a simplistic song but all of the kind of like the intricacies that they put underneath it and they wind in underneath his vocals is just it's a song they don't need to be as technical as they are but they are, you know, it, it, it's, it, and you can hear thought and you can hear real consideration towards it, which ties in a lot with, because I find it fascinating the, because this is like the, a continuation on the story of like the Armory Wars, I think. It's That's called. right. Yeah. A series of comic books they've written around, um, around their music career. Yeah. And I just, I, 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 I'm going off piece a little bit in terms of the bounce, but their ambition is just beyond like i think this is like the ninth concept album it includes comic books they've done games if you're a fan of this band it's no wonder that you love every bit of it because there's so much to unpick you know one listen through i was hearing you know vocals second listen through i'm hearing all of the additional parts you know, all of the little bits that they're putting behind it. And I'm still not there. So when this drops on, on uh, it'll be on Friday, uh, I'm going to be like rediscovering new parts to this for ages. And I love, I love an album that can do that for me. But then if you're that big a fan, you can then go in and get more out of it. it it's, there's not many bands that are doing that level of kind of concept and, and, and complexity around what they do. It's brilliant. I completely agree. I think the layers, the layers is something that you touch on really, really nicely there. And I think it's a real key thing, key motif they have running through the album, really. Like, um, do I draw that a couple of things that sort of stand out for me? Like once you get Embers of Fire, which is your classic Coed and Cambria, big progressive kind of opening, really oh, epic stuff. Sam, Just imagine how excited I was. <laughs> and oh. that, that opened the album and I was like, here we go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> just doing stretches just in the car absolutely just i'm gonna windmill absolutely one dead chicken in the passenger seat um and <laughs> then it hits <laughs> i'm not going to uh, <laughs> uh, then it kicks into beautiful losers which i think is just a brilliant brilliant song just immediately you're like okay he's an amazing vocalist but then on top of that um th there's just a beautiful euphoric and epic chorus the guitar work running through you almost forget that he's playing guitar at the same time when they did this live he's he's absurd as a musician, I, I, I don't know because they appear to be 
that it's like, all right, so let's draw an example. Like Billy Joe plays guitar for Green Day, but then when he sings American Idiot, the guitar follows his vocal line. So it's da 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 and he follows that with his So he's following the same syncopation, do you know what I mean? Like rhythmically, it's very similar like, between the melody he's doing with his voice. So his hands have to just sync up. Claudio Lopez, his hands and his throat, uh, uh, like doing completely different languages. They're not even in the same postcode. Like they're not anywhere near each other. And they're just sort of intertwining sort of serpentine um just bouncing off each other like if claudio lopez's vocal line and claudio lopez's guitar work met each other at a party they wouldn't have anything in common they don't think fucking like each other it's extraordinary that fall out if anything like i just don't understand it it is absurd what he does here and it just continues what i was was noticing um is we talk about the album in a general sense for sort of getting any specific sort of tracks that they've written songs that somehow I find myself two and a half minutes in thinking there's no way this is going to build to a big rock chorus. And then it's like, bang, there's a big rock chorus almost immediately after thinking it. And I'm like, how did you get here? We were like, I thought I'm sure we were in six, eight, like 20 seconds ago. How did we get, how did we get here? Like, and you haven't even stopped. There's no transition. It's just like, bam, we're just in this, uh, we're just here now. It's like, bang, chorus. Back. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's like, you know, um, I forgot which Harry Potter film it is, but when they go into Gringotts and they're just in that like mining shaft and they're just like immediately sort of shifting from like one rail to another. And it's like, bam, now we're in the 600s. Bam, we've lost Crookshank or Griphook or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, Crookshank's the cat, doesn't matter. We've lost someone. Um, and there's just like, you know, just we're in just different directions, like flowing with it. And that's what this feels like. It is absurd. So, like, Let's talk about like shoulders, which is um it's a, it's a Lenny Kravitz song, really, isn't it? Like it's, it's, got it's that like fuzzy electro. Well, he's just beautiful. Oh. Really, really, really nice. Wow. And, and and it sort of shows off his vocal, really bouncy. And then again, I'm like, where's the what's the chorus of this gonna sound like? And it's a massive rock chorus again, like with a pop sensibility. And then I take you back to these like ridiculous sort of like just ridiculous riffs and stuff. Like, where do you sit? Where are you sitting with this at this point? Because I was like the baffled as such, but I was just like really impressed at just the dexterity of what was going on here. It's like some real swagger about it, isn't there? You know, oh yeah. Oh yeah. You you can feel you can feel the maturity and you can feel that this is a band that are just at a point in their career where they can do what they want, but they their their talent means that they can rein it back in. And somehow they do they do that thing where they include so many different aspects into I was talking about it when we talked about the Malev record, but this is like to a whole other level you know in terms of what they're trying to can you imagine what the cutting room floor looks like when they're trying to pull all of these components together you know the poor producer this is going to be like guys like we can't like how how many how many layers are we on claudio how many layers are we on oh, three, 305 oh okay <laughs> you know we, yeah this one's a slow one we're gonna have to, <laughs> have to cut a few out but like there was some part you know there's a, there's a certain simplicity to it as well. And I'm intrigued now as a person that is going in first listen is this album, you know, where, what, what territory have they kind of 
tread upon in the past you know has it been more proggy has it been more um kind of they they talked about in the press notes for this that they they've brought in some real electronic kind of influences uh, shoulders is a perfect example of that um i'm interested to hear what what led to that how they got there you know they for to have hit this certain level where they can experiment in the way that they are and still i mean to me it still felt like coheed i'd be interested to know what a fan thinks as well yeah you know? yeah no no absolutely i think i think i've got to assume that it's 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 one of those things where the the band and the music changes around claudio and it's just he's the constant he's the staple isn't he you know yeah as long as he's i would there. assume yeah yeah he's the straw he's the straw that stirs the drink so to speak and and i think that that this is clearly an extension of, of of largely his creative output and just the the you're right the, the variety the versatility the layering the complexity is just astonishing but then again like you say there's a beautiful simplicity to there so for example if you look at um blood um which is just a beautiful beautiful opening just gorgeous isn't it just that intricate picking riff arm muted progresses and grows in the verse lovely wide chorus nicely transitions back it's just a beautiful pop rock song and they sort of juxtapose that with the lawyers club it's a lovely chord pattern again but then you've got a tempo change immediately halfway through it's really impactful amazing chorus and then flicks away to these sort of like xylophone sounds at the conclusion like i can't i can't get over some of the some of the musical uh, decisions they make here that just really 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 works really really works they are simultaneously a great rock band and a really good collection of pop writers by the sounds of things like just sort of thinking about some of the, the ones that i'm talking about here so like bad man is could be a nickelback song and yeah. our love could have could have been written for like ed sheeran in terms of like the just the beauty like really affecting arresting type of music um I love this whole album, so I'm gonna come I'm gonna come to you before I sort of start talking about every single song and things like that. What were some of the high what were some of the highlights for you? What were some of the the real standout songs, especially for a new listener, especially for someone that, that sort of went in not 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 just open-minded, but also a little bit potentially wary. What were the things that stood out to you listening to this album? There were the obvious ones, like you've just mentioned, including as well, a disappearing act was one of my favorite songs on on the album. Uh, Love Murder One was also just had this huge soar to it. You know, it, he, you know, when he really kicks it into full gear vocally, I'm going to appreciate that more than anything else as a, as a generally as a non-musician. But actually, what I got to then, I'm, I'm like looking through the track listing as I'm going through, and I'm getting towards the last three songs, and I'm getting sweaty, I'm getting nervous. I'm like, this has been, this has been a brilliant ride, and we get to, I think it's around our love. And then, I mean, the transitions to this point as well, you know, any fan of, of Linkin Park and Hybrid Theory Meteora is going to be a fan of a song transition. So you best believe I dig it. Uh, <laughs> and I, I absolutely loved the transitions on this. You know, it's just so seamless, but every song had such a different kind of closing opening that it just, there was that seamless factor to it, but it also felt like a different song. And then we get into... Um, the, the last three songs i think it opens with ladders of supremacy oh what a song feels, ladders of supremacy is it feels like it 
on the one hand it feels like a different album on the on the other hand it doesn't feel like we went anywhere it feels like the the, the previous songs built to where we're at now and sam i liked it it's like an eight minute song yeah it's it, um, it's, it's really hard not to like isn't it for me it, it includes it, it it steered away from those kind of those single tracks that that had really beautiful pop sensibilities to them and any single one could hook me in and that's where it tied together the concept for me that's where it pulled together the kind of i started listening more lyrically i started you know it it, it felt like i'm someone that that you know that likes a score that likes you know instrumental music so to hear those three songs at the end on the bounce i was fully into it i couldn't believe it so i i think i think that weirdly that was the highlight for me because it was the part that i was treading uh at the most kind of cautiously but actually was just so pleasantly surprised i'm that's i'm, so, I'm blown nice away thing. by how much i like this yeah yeah I th- I mean, yeah i was i was listening to this thinking jackson i love this like i was yeah. i was re- i was listening to it earlier this afternoon and some of these massive choruses and i'm like jack's driving along to this he's having a whale of a time um oh, man um i want to talk about um the final track on this because it needs it needs a minute on its own really window of the waking mind um this is a beautiful acoustic song at the start that transforms into this like pseudo exotic theatrical there's like timpanis going on with guitar stabs while um claudio is doing halfway between like a spoken word announcement and actual vocal work and it's really really quite easily slipping in and transitioning from from one to the other in this kind of extraordinary way it sort of lifts slowly again like it was like a narrative that feels like it's like like he's writing something for stranger things or the umbrella academy or something like that one of these sort of like dystopian teen dramas it's got that real sort of gravity to it um also reminiscent of everything i've ever heard between the buried and me do and also a little piece of heaven from Avenged sevenfold where it's like what direction is this going and where is this leading to and is this theatrical and is this still a metal band and, and all this sort of stuff? Straight into a David Attenborough approved this documentary level musical score to finish while the acoustic solo is going on in the background and things are just, all, all this stuff is happening sort of simultaneously. It's almost impossible to map everything that's going on and it just cur- closes the curtain on what is just an extraordinarily enjoyable album, just a, a, a magnificent feat, an incredible accomplishment. Where do you stand with the conclusion and where do you stand with this album overall on the other side of it now? I absolutely cannot wait to get back into it and, and to listen to it again, which I haven't felt. I, I, I mean, I feel like that with, with, with a lot of music, but this, there's like a real burning desire for me to want to dive back in. I, I, and you know, that you talked about the last song, the way it moves from lighter, to, you know, lighter themes to darker themes, it sort of weaves it all in together. It's it's absurdly good. And there's takeaways for people of kind of, I don't need to know the rest of the story or what's happened before to absolutely love this album. But now I want to go and check out the others. You know, it's an incredible album. All right, from one notable album this week to another, um, what a pleasure to be able to pair these two together. We go from uh, Coed and Cambria to Alexis on Fire. Um, now, before I start talking about the album specifically, for a start, this is, this is their first for hiatus of, I want to say, 13 years. Um, 
It's an extraordinary it's moment for, is, for yeah, just an extraordinary moment for the industry to have a band like Alex on fire back. It's great to have Dallas Green um writing post hardcore music again. It's fantastic. But I want to start off um because I made a little jokey joke about you and uh, Holden Absence earlier. But I would say that Alexis on fire are like the big brothers to Holden Absence and to a lesser extent Death of Anna and even kind of you meet six, especially the direction they've tried to take in the last couple of albums. Um, where do you sit that? Where do you sit with that? Or is that just um, an elitist metalhead trying to make an overly simplistic comparison there? It may be. There may be. There may be lags in it. I mean, one of the one of the big factors there is that I I love this, and I love those bands that you mentioned. Uh, I, I get I get where you're going with it. There's there's some real lines that can be drawn between. There's a there's a certain there's a certain harshness and a, a certain edge that has been maintained that I think sets Alexis on fire apart. Um, and I think particularly on, on, on this album, the way that they've combined what we, you know, the, the, the melody that you find with those bands, the melody that they, they themselves crafted through, um, you know, early, earlier albums, mostly com- compliments to, Dallas Green on that he's he's the big draw in that regard but there's 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 still that like there's still a, there's still a certain edge of urgency combined with sludge there's like there's something about this album that is sludgy uh and I'm a big fan of it I like the combination I like what they've done with it like what you've done with the place I'm a fan yeah, I'm um I'm completely I'm completely with you. Um there's a there's a dirt, there's a filth, there's an undertone to this that's really nice. Um there's a real sort of I don't know, like Los Angeles underbelly where you've got the sunset strip with the the, the beautiful um sort of sun over the over the horizon, and then underneath you've got all this sort of this sort of seedy dark underbelly, and I think it juxtaposes those two things really nicely. And I think once again, like we talked about with Claudio Lopez, it starts and ends with Dallas Green and starts and ends with his voice and his songwriting style. Um, and just having him back um, in front of a microphone, in front of a band like this sort of reaffirms the talent that he has. I mean, like obviously City and Colour are great, um, but there's obviously a, a sort of musical ceiling on, to, on, the, on the sort of music that they're going to produce. Obviously, we know the sort of acoustic stylings that he puts together there. So Alexa on Fire really allows him to sort of stretch out. And I think you heard that a lot. Um Big fan of the opening of this. I was thinking immediately like Fever 333, Dystopia type stuff. Rolling Tom's nice groovy opening riff. A little bit of Don Broco on that kind of like groove. A little bit, but like a more acceptable version because Don Broco are tin. Um, but really, really enjoyed um, feeling like within three minutes, I was like, welcome back, Alexis on fire. Um, brilliant chorus, just immediately arresting and dark and nasty nice drum intersection a big chorus um and the same with the follow-up sweet dreams how immediately did you realize that you were going to be an Alexis on fire fan based on this album was it like 30 seconds because it feels like it should be 30 seconds for someone of your musical taste straight off the bat and i mean i i could hear so since the start of lockdown i was a fan of the singles they dropped about three singles three or four singles i think prior to this album, none of which are on there, but all of which you can hear the sort of shift that they're taking 
um, one of which when they kind of announced they were coming back and and then you know the sort of the longer songs the the kind of the the some of the Black Sabbath sort of influences and the and and that kind of that darkness that that those those doom sort of elements so I had a preconception of it and I'd heard Sweet Dreams um, I'd heard a couple of the other singles as well because I looked at them for our new noise features and that's what got me in I was just like I, I'm I'm all in on this but yeah the moment that I hadn't heard the opener it's committed to the con isn't it yes that's right yeah the punch and the oh, it just yeah man it's just every single song was the sort of music I'm just like I want to walk into a bar uh to that I want to kick open the doors maybe I'm watching too much like I don't know, Peaky Blinders and shit but yeah I mean it's, it's all that sort of music that just like gets me like revved up it's good shit, man. Yeah, I was yeah. in. I was in way before thirty seconds, mate. <laughs> yeah, just immediately. I, I'm not remotely surprised. This seems like a band that you should you should just love. Um, yeah. The jaunty, echoey riff on "Sweet Dreams" I'm really a big fan of. Sort of lumbers at this off rhythm, slightly off kilter sort of pattern where it's four four, but you can't really quite gauge it all the time. Um, I do wish it went out of third gear a little bit, but by the time I got to by the end of it, it was just wonderfully enjoyable. I want to guess that you adored Sans Soleil. Like, I'm just going to throw it out there that I felt that you fell in love with that song. I loved that song. It felt like Death of Anna mixed with Teenage Wrist, mixed with good early Yumi at Six, mixed with or, 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 a bit of Holden Absence, actually. All these sort of, like, post-hardcore emotive, but in, like, a way that, you know, you can sort of, like, handle because it's sort of that blend of heaviness mixed in as well. It doesn't feel overly emotive, but it doesn't feel overtly heavy just for the sake of it. It felt really, really good. Light, nice, slow pace, smoother and silk vocals. Um, they're just effortless. You know, that whole where you end, I begin chorus that's just repeated. I It's my favourite song on the album. I'm hoping that you enjoyed it too. Slide. Oh, yes. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? Talk to me about this song. I mean, I just, I, I loved every. Do you know what it was? It was like, it hit, it hit me in this song because I was still at the point where I was trying to think, what is it for me that I, I'm loving about Alexi on Fire and why haven't I been there before now? And I, and I missed that point in which Crisis came out and, and following that Young Cardinals and, and maybe I just wasn't there at that time. Going back now, I, I get it. Like, I absolutely love it, but I wasn't there for, the, for it. So I don't know, it's never quite got me. So I'm kind of like sat there and I'm thinking, but why do I love them so much now? And I think it's because they've, and, and when I got to Sanslet, I, I could hear it that somehow, even in the midst of a song like that, they managed to hold on to that level of vulnerability, that level of urgency that they've got, that, that kind of, that thing that really makes them unique in what they do. And I was, I'm all, that's one of the best songs I've heard of the year. Uh, Sanslet I mean, it's so me. Like that shouldn't surprise you in any way. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. It's, it's beautiful. I love it as well. Dallas Green. It was the point where I was just, I just sat back and I was like, Dallas Green is 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 one of a kind. Yeah, he's a wizard, isn't he? It's just a wonderful focus. All these bands, all these bands, and I don't want to list the four that I keep listing, but like, there's a lot of bands that are trying to do what Alexis on Fire do effortlessly, right? Like, is that fair to say that the, the big career move from a lot of these sort of post-hardcore used to be really hardcore bands and they start to soften or like pop punk bands that start to try and find a more mature direction. 
they're all trying to sound like this. Like Alexis on fire have just nailed the blueprint and it's, it is utterly effortless. It is like, there's not a care in the world in sort of writing these songs. Um, it's just, it's just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, sort of following that with um, conditional love and blue spade, those big punky opening punchy on, 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 on conditional love. And then blue spade had like a kind of mastodon esque kind of, heavy lumbering riff yeah that like that big that chug that dirt and i think it's a good point to also (laughs) point out that gloom that i want you in my room (laughs) that boom 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 (laughs) 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 yeah that'll catch on that will yeah (laughs) Yeah, too much probably. Yeah, a little bit. That <laughs> oh, really tickled me. But it, it's got that like it's got those sliding solos as well, and the guitar work. It feels mm. really raw, but it also feels really polished. They've they've just they've encapsulated that perfectly. And and a, and a huge we don't give enough credit to in a band where there is a vocalist like Dallas Green, Wade McNeil, man. The, the, oh. the vocals on that guy are like. Uh, he's he, I mentioned it in you know in the malevolence review where I was like, dude sounds like he's been dragged through mud and he's still spitting out gravel. And <laughs> and Wade McNeil makes him sound like he's doing cleans. Like it is just his the way his voice and his vocals juxtapose Dallas Green's makes Dallas Green's go even further. It's the same. I look at them as a combo as I look like. Mike Shinoda with Chester Bennington. You know, you'll always rave about Chester, but Mike Shinoda's incredible. You know, yeah. His lyricism, his flow is everything. Yeah, it's a very different style, but he he isn't the, the the shining hero of that, but he's the unsung hero, so to speak. And uh, Wade, man, he is phenomenal on this. Absolutely phenomenal. It's ridiculous rasp. Like I've never heard it before. Yeah, I can I completely agree. But you, I, I like your comparison there. You need you need darkness to make light shine brighter. You know, you need comparison. And that, that, that's... the moments then when when Dallas soars, you feel every bit of that, every bit of it. Completely agree. Completely agree. And then you've got one of the nicest transitions on the album, which is the end of Blue Spade, that acapella vocal finish, that goes right into an acapella vocal opening, like. I've never heard anything quite like that. That is just absolutely phenomenal. Right into right into Dark Knight, this beautiful gospel opening, real bluesy swaying track, just really, really nice. And once again, a show for the band's versatility because I know it's been thirteen years, so they could have they could do anything they liked at this point. People just glad to hear it, but they could have knocked out what I would describe as a um, Paint by Numbers, Alexis on Fire track, shall we say, where it's like, all right, here's the heavy ones, here's the big single. Thank you, we'll see you on tour. And that could have absolutely done that. It would have lapped it up. You know, it gets three out of five or seven out of ten at every main publication, probably including ours. And they're, they're right on show. We're all high-fiving each other, Alexis on Fire back, and then we go back to hear another forgettable album. Um, but they haven't done that at all. They've, they've really, you can tell that they've, I don't think it's taken 13 years to make this album, but you can tell that they've spent an additional amount of time piecing some of these together. It feels like a real versatility, a real soulful quality to some of the music. And I think that is um, massively at the benefit of us as listeners, because I think 
this is the sort of because I think if Alexis on Fire came out and said, all right, we're going to bring out Alexis on Fire album, it's going to sound like Alexis on Fire. A lot of people would be like, listeners would be like, well, I've already got bands that sound like Alexis on Fire now that they've kind of missed the boat, like yourself, right? Because if Alexis on Fire came out and did it with just an average album, you'd be like, well, I've got a better version of that now. You know, I've got this band and this band and this band and countless others that do that type of music, but now younger and more contemporary. But what they've done is they've expanded their artistry a little bit and I think it's given them a little bit more scope for an audience. Am I chatting at my ass? Does that make sense? No, it makes absolute sense because I was listening to it thinking these guys are at the top of their game. They've got nothing to prove, but yet they're they're holding and raising the bar, in my opinion. They're, they're, they they almost transcend a little bit for me in this. You know, and if and if you if you're looking at this through the scope that you're a fan and you've been waiting 13 years for an album and you're nervous about what you think you're going to get, you could, it, it, this is as good as it gets, like, if not better. But yeah, this is rewarding a fan experience as you can expect. Right, I, I'm stoked for it and I haven't been waiting for it. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, I, I can't imagine what that's like for a fan and I, I, I strongly believe it won't be, it won't be a disappointment at all. It's got such diversity to it as well. I mean, another one of my favourites on the album, Survivor's Guilt, is... Yeah. Classic Alexis on fire tune, that is. That is, that is classic. It's, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's relentless. I keep going back to that, that kind of that urgency and that kind of that flip between, between you know, Dallas Green and, and Wade McNeil, that way that it kind of flips between and in between then there might be a guitar tone or a really sort of raw vocal line or something that just backs up and emphasizes it and it just it's one thing after the other and it, it just and then they hit with a guitar solo and then the fucking note that, that Dallas Green hits in that song blew me away I just complete like it's one thing after the other and you, you almost can't catch up with it but it's brilliant there's, there's some and there's other points on the album like reverse the curse sounds like a bit of an early early like poppier mastodon song yeah, yeah i could i, I could kind of hear it, got to it you know? yeah i can kind of i can kind of get it i can't remember what that song was but curl of the bell because it sounds like that like, yeah yeah, yeah it is it's exactly that <laughs> curl of the bell you know when they're in the course they're like reverse the curse and it's like yeah yeah i got I, I can i can see the mm. connection that you're trying to that, that you're drawing over there i think they got a bit two thirds of the way of the album and it's like all right we're gonna get the big boy choruses out now um because survivor's guilt and um Reverse the Curse feel like massive singles. Yeah. And just absolutely huge songs. Um, I like the faded vocal on um, on Reverse the Curse because it just sort of slots in the background and doesn't sort of take the president, lets the band sort of drive the song, which I think is a really nice move. It's just a, a lover of all things music. Like, I just like that sometimes you can take the vocal and just sort of take it back an option, let the song sort of envelop in its own way. And I think that's really, really nice. Um once again, though, as always, um, let's talk in detail about what is just a, a superb closing song on this. Um, put me, um, you put me through. I listened to both of these albums for the first time in one night, one after the other. I listened. I bet you were. I bet you were a wreck after this sec. After this one, and then I, I'm this. getting towards the end. I'm getting towards the end of Alexia, and I'm like, oh, this is just banger after banger after banger. It's punchy. It's quick. It's fast. And then I was like, there's a fucking eight minute on there. 
was like, you can't. You've got to be joking me if you think you've put me through all of that in one. But mate, I, I fucking loved it. How beautiful is that? It. How beautiful is that acoustic opening? It's like dark and oh, fading and sort of descending down the. It's got like um, a. Out here for a minute. It, I was like, ah, oh, Dallas Green's doing acoustic things, but for Alexis on fire, like ah, oh, city in colour but heavy and dark, ah. Oh. Oh, I was just like I was I was I was exhausted listening to this on Sunday night, but I was just like like sort of like squinting through the dark, like my lamp on. I was just like, this is mm. just this is this is worth it. It's absolutely worth it. It's like been in the final layer of like some sort of big film marathon or something. Like I will watch him throw the ring into the mountain. I will make this. Um, <laughs> and it's it. Oh yeah, sorry. Um, Hills of Eyes ended really strangely the other day, um, but. It felt like an Oasis tune, like that sort of like when it started to sort of like strum, I had that kind of feel to it. Now, I don't need to listen to this and, and immediately switch off, but like in a good way, I promise. Um, but it just developed into, I don't know how to describe it really, like a cacophony, a crescendo of some description where the acoustic sort of ramps up and ramps up and ramps up. And then it just transcends into this just massive chorus with... A guitar solo that's like sort of looping, he's sort of experimenting with these sort of like this high register. His vocals are going on in the background, they're sort of cascading in and out. It's really emotive, it's really visceral, it's really raw, and it's really beautiful. Really, really beautiful, really cathartic, a really great end to the album. And another reminder, it's like, hey, we um with Dallas Green, we have one of the most, you know, talented people in this industry. And every time you listen to a track of theirs, it's like, it's just a diamond. And I think it brings the album beautifully to a close in a really, really organic way. And what is a thoroughly enjoyable record that if you're an Alexis on Fire fan, I can't see how you are walking away with anything other than a massive grin on your face after hearing this, feeling that your band are back and they're really good and the, the wait was worth it. I mean, 13 years is a long time. I mean, people were, people were talking about a new Guns N' Roses album. That only took 14 you know, for production. Um, so this is, this is a year away from that. Um, so what we're talking about here is um, extraordinary length of time. So to come back and sound like this and, and end the album in this way was just utterly marvellous. Thoughts on the, once again, thoughts on the close or thoughts on the album overall? I just think this song was the perfect moment to bring together the Alexis on Fire of old and the Alexis on Fire of new, all of the newer influences. It was a statement of, you know, we haven't lost what what made us us because that that hugely lies in in you know within McNeil and within Green and and you get to this. I, I love the way that that song just layers really subtly. And just bit by bit by bit, and it builds and it builds and it builds, and like you said, it hits this huge, huge crescendo where it just it blows up and it becomes very Alexis on fire by the end of it, and then it finishes, and it just felt like the perfect moment to end on. And I, I'm with you. I I don't shout at us if you think we're wrong, but I can't see how this would be a disappointment. So many bands have come back after, and I mean, don't get me wrong, they were on a, on a hiatus and then they returned and then locked down and it's been building for a while. I think they dropped their first of the singles in 2019, but I don't see how you see this as anything other than, you know, it, it feels grandiose, uh, which it is in, in its return. You know, if you hit with a return and then 
the album was tin yeah you know you're not you're not gonna you're not you don't you can't match that level of anticipation that you have i think this does that in spades personally well a two-part question for you to finish all right i'm gonna get you out of here on this to echo time cornizer um first one who's the happier fan base on friday coed or alexis on fire Oh, that is a, that's a tough fucking question. I've Thanks. got to go with Alexis. I mean, Coheed have been dishing out since 95. <laughs> Some in chronic. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but I mean, what makes me stop there is they have such a cult following. Um, one that will be immeasurably happy, I'm sure, of that new album. But the return, the return of Alexis on Fire... That, that to me feels like a huge moment, you know? Yeah. All right. Here's my second question. In six months, you're putting your album of the year list together. Which one of these two albums is higher on that list in six months' time? Oh, that's a really tough one. I'll start mm. by saying without a shadow of a doubt, I think they're both top ten. Okay. Um, they, they both blow me away and I usually get this at least once or twice a year so to have it both in one week <laughs> it, it's completely floored me I think I think for me on I think Alexis is probably it's probably up there for me um as the higher album but that's to take nothing away from Coheed I'm completely I'm, I'm massively taken by both albums what about you um I think Alexis on Fire's fans are happier because obviously the context of the return makes it just a, an event. Um, yeah. But I think Coed and Cambria are going to be higher on my album of the year list in six months' time, pending approximately 40 changes of, of, of mind between now and then, but um, including on the day, most likely. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think <laughs> it's it's the only it's the only way to do it. Um, that's going to bring our pod to a close. Um, I'd like to I'd like to start off by saying, obviously, thanks to Jack for joining um, me on the pod as well, and thanks to both both of the PR, lovely PR folks that sent us Alexis on Fire and Coheed and Cambria. Um, just big big shouts to everyone that works with us on acquiring those albums. Um, if you'd like to give us a follow on Twitter, it's at Noise Podcast. Um, please also follow at Noise UK. That's the same name for the YouTube channel as well. That's Noise UK. Give us a follow on Facebook and everything as well. Um, please like and subscribe. Um, please keep an ear out for the album um, reviews that you're about to hear on Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts, as well as lots of content. Um, going to be doing loads of stuff um, the upcoming week. I'm going to be interviewing Kundra, a member of Kundra tomorrow, whose name is, is yet to be given to me. Um at this stage i'm going to sort that out hopefully tonight i'll be able to send an interview link and do all the bits and bobs for that and then after that myself and will be reviewing that conjurer album on the wednesday that'll be set to be released sometime in the, the coming weeks after that jack i'm sure will update me on the actual dates of that and then we've got loads of stuff running through too because I'm, I'm barely keeping track at this stage and um, we've got stuff here um from now until really the end the end of summer and probably beyond, me and, me, and, me and Jack are hashing out lists uh, the day that sort of went up to October, um, which is exciting and terrifying in equal measure. 
Um, so we've got we've got really stuff coming out of our ears. Please make sure as well, if you're a fan of the interviews at Pua Festival, give those a like and a subscribe as well. Uh, there's one every day running this week. Um, I think so far we've released Stay Voices, do Trips and El Muno. Um, and I think that's everything I need to plug. Is there anything else you need to plug, Jack, or is it just echoing what I've said or have I missed anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's busy. It's busy at the moment. I got uh, an interview with uh, the local lads in Glass Heart tomorrow. I'm going to be dropping that, I hope, on Friday. Um, the Conjurer review, we're hoping to put out as a review interview next Tuesday. Um, just a note that we're, we're putting out episodes on Tuesdays now. We're hoping that that kind of gives a bit of time to digest our thoughts before an album drops. Just feels like a better way to kind of uh, to put them out at the moment. But yeah, we're stacked. I mean, there's albums coming out from Ithaca, from Oceans of Slumber, that you're going to drag me through. That's probably going to be less positive than this. Uh, later in the year, we've got stop. We've got Lamb of God. We've got we've got Machine Head. We're hoping on on all of those albums coming in, and and a few more in the meantime. Death of Anna as well, which I'm obviously stoked for. So there's some really cool releases coming out. It feels like a really relentless point in the year, but it feels good to be doing it. So yeah, we've got a lot going on. Yeah, sick. Yeah, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. It's a really exciting time. So thank you everybody for listening. Um, we, we look forward to seeing you and speaking to you with you again. Listen to everything, listen to our stuff, follow us on Twitter and podcasts and all the rest of it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Goodbye.